Hey listeners, want to start your own podcast? Let us tell you our favorite tool. Anchor is the one-stop shop for all your podcasting needs. Here's why. Anchor lets you record and edit your show right from your phone or computer. So no matter your setup, you can start creating right now. Then it distributes your show to the most popular listening platforms like Apple and Spotify. Plus, it's the only place you can send video content to Spotify. Creators can even earn money on Anchor with ads and subscriptions. Best of all, it's all free. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. You are now listening to FemRegard Podcast with Tessa Markle and Carolina Alvarez. Welcome back, listeners. Thank you for tuning in again to another episode of Femme Regard Podcast. Today's guest is Jake Justice, music Jake producer. Justice. Hi, yes. ladies. Welcome to our show. Um, before Thank we you get for started, oh, oh, you're yes. welcome. Oh, I think he's the first on. person to like be like, "Thank you, ladies." I'm like, I appreciate that. It's, thank a, you. it's a pleasure and a privilege to be here. Why wouldn't I thank you? Perfect. Well, we have some tea for you today. I'm letting it steep for a moment. I'll pour it while we're talking. But Wonderful. it is Celestial Seasonings Peppermint Tea. Perfect. So That's caffeine my favorite. free, but still like, kind of gives you the boost, you know? Perfect. All right. So you're a tea drinker. You, you enjoy yeah, the, definitely. the 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 ever the herbal every no, night. No, it, it definitely makes me feel good. I like drinking tea at night before I go to bed. So oh my gosh, nice me too. Mm-hmm. It is. It like totally gets you in the zone. Mm-hmm. Well, Jake, we're so excited to have you on here. And well, this is what I, I like. Thank you for being on here. And what was awesome was when we reached out, I, I loved the response you gave. I wasn't expecting it. And that was just that, you know, the whole thing that got you into music was film scores? Was it was. That? It was. So when I was young, my favorite movie was Star Wars. I'm talking like <laughs> three, four years old. That was my, yes. my parents raised me on Star Wars. <laughs> and I think one of the most important aspects of Star Wars that makes it so iconic is the music itself. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody can remember oh, yeah. the melodies for Star Wars. And so I was just so captivated by, by the music. And so my mom started me off on piano lessons when I was around three or four years old. Now she's a piano teacher, so definitely an advantage there. Three or four, dang. Yeah. So (laughs) I started playing piano when I was three and started taking lessons. But, you know, my mom was the one teaching me. So it's kind of, it wasn't super disciplined. And Mm. you know how that can be when, you know, you're a parent trying to teach your kid to do something. I wouldn't always listen, wouldn't always practice. You know, I was... You know, yeah. it, it's harder to listen to a parent with those <laughs> yeah, sort of things. Sure. But I still, I loved music. And it definitely came from Star Wars, from John Williams, who's the composer for Star Wars. So what I was, what I would do as I got older, uh, like around seven or eight, I would, I would just listen to hours of the soundtrack and I would kind of go to the piano and figure out how to play the songs by ear. Mm-hmm. And that's essentially <laughs> how I learned how to write music, um, just by just by listening and figuring it out and in the process of figuring it out i discovered all the patterns um from Mm. that that exist from writing music and it was nice to learn from one of the best because john williams is in my opinion like the the father of of Mm -hmm. modern film music Mm -hmm. so he's just (laughs) no i mean he also uh little known fact he 
has more Academy Award nominations than any other person. Very interesting. In any category. Wow. Oh, in any category. In any category, he has more nominations. Yep. Makes sense. He's also the only music person to have an AFI Lifetime Achievement Award. Oh, very cool. Every single other person is, you know, a mm -hmm. director, producer, whatever. Mm -hmm. uh, he's the only film composer to have one. That's so, really awesome. So, yeah. So, that's how uh, my love for music began. And now, while I spend most of my time, you know, producing music, doing electronic music, sound design, that sort of a thing, my love for music started with a film scoring. And I did spend... Um, probably half of my 20s writing music for commercials, short films. Mm -hmm. So I do have experience doing film music. That's what I studied in school. And eventually I do want to get back into it um, as I get older and, you know, tour life, studio life is, <laughs> you know, I want to move on from that and mm -hmm. just like stay at home. So <laughs> uh, that's part of the plan. So whenever you're making music for film, I mean, do you... Do you feel like generally the filmmakers come to you and they're like, I want this sound? Or do you feel like you watch something and think, oh, this is what it should sound like. This is what should be what the score should be underneath. Like, right. Well, the, well, the ultimate purpose of a film score is to serve the film. Mm -hmm. And the director is the person who is putting together everything and has the creative vision. Mm -hmm. So ultimately, it's the film composer's job to deliver uh, what the director wants as part of that vision. So 99% of the time, it definitely is, you know, the director has a vision. Mm -hmm. Thank you for the You're tea. Welcome. Yes. <laughs> it's finally steeped, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> I love this tea time and podcasting. Yeah. Love it. yeah. Um, what was I saying? Yeah. So, so it's up to the film composer to deliver on the vision for the director. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll have uh, something called temp tracks where okay. they'll be like, hey, I kind of want something that sounds like this. And then they'll put the temp track on the uh, editing bay. Mm -hmm. And sometimes they'll even like edit the film to that temp track. And a lot of the times the film composers, they'll just have to listen to the temp track and then create something similar to that. Um, okay. One great example of that, going back to Star Wars. Mm -hmm. So the very opening scene of the original Star Wars episode four where there, uh, where the rebel ship is being chased down by the big star destroyer, mm -hmm. the original temp track for that that John that uh, George Lucas used was Mars from the planets. That look it up yeah. uh -huh. by Holst. It's it's amazing. <laughs> so so you uh, if you listen to that track, which was written you know decades and decades and decades ago, and you compare it to John Williams' score, mm -hmm. it's quite similar. Oh. It's very similar. And I think that also just goes back to the uh, creative process in general, where there really aren't any completely original ideas. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Creativity is just mixing and matching ideas that already exist, combining them together, bending and breaking what's already there. So that's a, so going back to Tim Trex, that's a very commonly... Uh, used part of the process mm -hmm. in deciding what music to to create. Makes sense. I know mm -hmm. for us, you know, we've struggled with figuring out exactly what kind of sound we want and deciding, you know, oh, do we want to just then find a song that sounds like that, put that underneath, like, you know, trying mm -hmm. to figure out what we want to do. Um, I mean, do you find 
because you also produce music not for films. Yes. Do you find that you would rather, say, have someone use one of your songs on their film that's already made? Or would you rather like well, write that's something definitely, for Well, that's film? definitely more convenient, for sure. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> definitely. Um, I find as, as a producer and an artist, one of the reasons that I'm not really focusing so much on film composing right now is because I have 100% artistic liberty to do whatever I want. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm which is really great. Um, one thing that happens with soundtracks a lot is, you know, you'll have a song and it'll be licensed to a publisher. Mm -hmm. And the publisher's job is to essentially pitch that song to uh, different directors, music supervisors or whatever, and get the song placed mm -hmm. on commercials, on TV, film, whatever. So that's, that's definitely a lot less work for the artist. Mm -hmm. Um, that being said, I can think of one example. I believe Inception, Han, Hans Zimmer wrote all of the music before he even saw the movie. Oh, interesting. That's very rare. What? Very rare. And I think those sort of things only happen when the composer and the director have a really strong creative relationship and mm. there's just a lot of trust there. Um, obviously, Hans Zimmer's been... I just blanked on his name. Hans Zimmerman. Right? Hans no. Zimmer, no, no, director oh, of uh, Inception. Inception. Why am I blanking on his name? Christopher Nolan. Ah, okay. Christopher Nolan. <laughs> our, our sound technician is like, girl, come on. That's, that's I it know, right that's there. That's basic film knowledge. Um, yeah, so Christopher Nolan and Hans Zimmer, they do pretty much everything together. So they mm -hmm. have a really strong working relationship. So, yeah, so Hans Zimmer wrote all the music for Inception before he even saw the movie. That is very rare maybe like one percent of the time that's really cool though mm -hmm. how what's the best way then like i kind of get a vibe like like for some of our other projects for instance an example like oh we like like the kind of 70s groovy sound or something mm -hmm. so how to do like a score under, or you know what a better idea or western right mm -hmm. like we we like the spaghetti western mm -hmm. like kind of kind of sound we didn't want it to get too like olden time with it a little bit fresh so that's why like maybe a 70s funk with it gotcha see the way i'm speaking to you does that even make sense makes a hundred percent it really does okay. so uh one example i can think of for that is django unchained mm -hmm. quentin tarantino mm -hmm. it's my inspiration uh, for most things <laughs> no but really though i'm so excited for his upcoming movie by oh, the me way. too <laughs> yeah what's it called hollywood once upon a time, once upon a time mm -hmm. in hollywood oh man mm -hmm. really excited so I think that's a great example where he has uh, traditional orchestral music that mm -hmm. you that makes sense in your mind that you're used to seeing with old Western films. But then I think there's he has a few like super modern tracks. He has like some hip hop tracks in there, mm -hmm. and um, oh yeah, yeah, it's great. It, and it just totally doesn't fit. It's a total juxtaposition, mm -hmm. but it does fit because it captures the feeling and the emotion of what's going on in the scene. Okay, so. So um, yeah, I like it. Sense. Yeah, some yeah. people that that bugs them when they uh, put uh, anachronistic music, mm -hmm. meaning that the, it doesn't belong with the uh, with the time period. But I actually kind of like it. Another movie that does that is Great Gatsby, the most recent one I with know. Leonardo DiCaprio. Mm -hmm. That actually really upset a lot of people that they're <laughs> yeah. using hip hop in uh, for the <laughs> 1920s. But I read a really interesting interview with Boz Lerman and what. He was saying, because uh, uh, I think Jay-Z actually produced the whole soundtrack mm. and he did it. Oh. Yeah. Okay. So they worked on that it together sense. and their their viewpoint was that 
at the time in the 1920s, jazz was the underground music. Mm -hmm. It mm -hmm. was yeah. the dangerous, sketchy underground music. And yeah, what right. is that today? Hip hop. Exactly. So, although now it's much more mainstream than it used to be. <laughs> yeah. but, um, so they wanted to convey that same feeling. So at the time, you know, now we listen to jazz and like, oh, this is like old timey, boring music. But in the 1920s, it, it was associated with, you know, crime, underground, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, so that's why they chose hip hop, because they wanted to convey the danger. They wanted to convey the same feelings that jazz right. did mm -hmm. at the time. Makes right. total sense. So for filmmakers working with musicians, um, as opposed to just, you know, buying the rights to use a song, mm -hmm. if you're working with a musician that's, you know, you can either talk to personally that, you know, you might already have a relationship with or mm -hmm. you want to write something for the, the film, whatever it is, what's the best way to communicate? You know, if it's maybe it's someone you don't have a close relationship with, but you've met, so you have their contact information, like how just reaching out in general and stuff when you when you're on that level, as opposed to, you know, buying the rights to use the song. Right. Well, I feel like most of what I've seen, like the directors do have close personal relationships with mm -hmm. the composers. They met in college. They met, you know, working on a small project mm -hmm. early on in their careers and what i see tends to happen is that these directors and composers will like once they kind of like find their match mm -hmm. uh they they keep working together for most most of the films yeah so um yeah so for, from what i see like most people get work through word of mouth mm -hmm. um a lot of composers will have or big time composers will have composers assistance. Mm -hmm. That's one way to kind of get a leg up. And then that's kind of a way to network. It's all just, you know, about interpersonal relationships. Yeah. And I think it's about interpersonal relationships more than just sending out your resume mm -hmm. or whatever, mm -hmm. because communication is so incredibly important and you want, you need to have really strong communication between the director and the composer because uh, the the director has to be able to communicate their vision in a way that makes sense for the composer. And right. uh, there's just so much back and forth that goes on between first drafts, second drafts, third drafts. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of problems that I've encountered personally is just the language that is used because musicians have a set of vocabulary to describe mm -hmm. music and not all film directors are versed in that same vocabulary. <laughs> right. So as a composer, you have to be able to figure out what, okay, I want this to feel dark. Okay, cool. So what does that mean in musical terms? Mm -hmm. You have to be able to understand that and know how to convey that through music. It would be so much easier if every director was like, okay, for this next part, I want three French horns and they're going to do, <laughs> they're going to make a melodic motif in the key of C minor. And then it's going to lead into, you no know, a timpani. Yeah. They yeah. don't talk like that. <laughs> right. right. Have you do? Nope. No, no, no. It would be so easy if, if they I mean, could. I have some music knowledge, but I wouldn't even think like, right. in that way, which is like mm -hmm. eye opening, like mm -hmm. totally like, I, okay, maybe I should start to build on that since I, I do have some background yeah, I, would I do say have background in music of course yeah. yeah and I think it definitely helps to have a basic understanding of music theory and maybe just like what instrument sounds like what for example mm -hmm. I had a director that I worked with once who really wanted an oboe mm -hmm. and for one part 
But what he really wanted was a flute, but he didn't know that, mm. you know, they yeah. just... What instrument sounded what, like yeah. what? So, <laughs> yeah. so, a bow and flute are very right. different. <laughs> so I would say for directors, what would be really great, just have a basic knowledge of what instrument sounds like what. <laughs> yeah. And also just having a general knowledge of film scores, great film scores of the past. Mm-hmm. So you can identify... Maybe like, okay, I want this to sound really bright and hopeful. This reminds me of this soundtrack mm-hmm. from Forrest Gump. Mm-hmm. And just being able to make connections like that. Because mm-hmm. if you say, okay, I want it to sound like going back to like the temp track sort of thing. That's yeah. why those are used a lot. Then uh, that is very helpful to the composer. Because then the composer can listen to the song and identify what aspects of it make it sound hopeful or mm-hmm. bright or whatever. Right. Mm-hmm. Interesting. So that's, I mean, that's a lot right there just uh, to take in. That's very helpful as far as um, your score for your, for your film, because obviously, you know, you need music throughout the film. Like there are certain films that have moments of silence that make sense, you know, but in general, yeah, you need music underneath all of it. The the tension and when you're having action, like if it was just silent, it it totally like, you know, right. Well, John Williams has a great quote though. Um, If he, he once said that if, Nobody, if I can write a full score and nobody noticed that it was there, I've done my job. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So some of the best scores mm-hmm. are just, are, are the ones that blend in so perfectly mm-hmm. with the film that you don't even notice that it's there. It's kind of yeah. like, it's like wallpaper. It makes like you, you feel without in. even being yeah. aware of it. Yeah. But if it was gone, you would notice. Yeah. Right. Exactly. But it's not something you think about. It's there to enhance the motion that's already being conveyed by the film not to distract from it mm-hmm. i'm laughing because um i i'm gonna touch on this in my little inspiration of the week but um, i watched mahalan drive mm-hmm. for the first time like two weeks ago and that 80s like soundtrack like it was tension building <laughs> but oh boy it was there like whatever right. like was it so right. oh it was but i get it they were like building but i was like oh well sometimes that can be an artistic choice and but which I, I think feel it like, probably was yeah <laughs> knowing david lynch i'm sure it, it was <laughs> it's so hard for me these days to even make any sort of criticisms about films because just knowing what the entire process is and how much thought and Mm -hmm. work and effort and hours and lack of sleep and blood sweat and tears goes into it it's like nothing but respect like it's really hard for me to criticize films and to criticize artistic choices Oh, totally Mm -hmm. so but that being said i think in general the audience will have a more engaging experience when they aren't necessarily noticing the music when it's just part of the that's whole. interesting yeah, yeah. that's yeah. a good way to look at uh, an, another perspective right. on that mm-hmm. and um i don't know if you know the answer to this but i'm gonna ask it <laughs> so for like if you if for song covers, mm-hmm. do you know the legalities that go into that at all? Song covers meaning... Like, let's say... As opposed to a soundtrack to okay. have, you know, that yes. one song. Yeah, yeah. There. So, uh, one example I can think of is the movie Crazy Rich Asians. Mm-hmm. They did the song Yellow by Coldplay, but they did, like, an acoustic um, Chinese version mm-hmm. of it, and it was in Mandarin. So, I, I what you have to do is you have to get... And they did get the rights. Mm-hmm. They got they get permission from Coldplay or from their record label or whatever. And in that case, they probably got a licensing fee. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So 
I don't think they would get any royalties from that because it is a different recording. So there's so the song, there's two aspects of it. There's the song itself, which mm-hmm. is like the, the lyrics, the melody, whatever, and then there's the recording of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So you can own the song, as in you wrote the lyrics, you wrote the melody, Correct. you wrote everything, and then you can own the actual master mm-hmm. recording of it. So when they're uh, when music supervisors are trying to find pre-existing songs to put onto their films, they're licensing either the master recording or the song itself, which would be like a cover. Mm-hmm. So that would be two different fees. And it just depends on how big the song is. Obviously, since it was Coldplay, they probably had to pay a pretty penny for it. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, but if it's a lesser known song, sometimes, um, for example, I know Grey's Anatomy was pretty famous for uh, finding unknown artists and mm-hmm. actually kind of making them big just by placing them on the TV show. And I don't think, obviously, those licensing fees were very large. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is there a, a, do you know of a website maybe for filmmakers? I struggle with this sometimes trying to find the right copyright, like either the, the record labels or the, I've heard Like one. who owns the rights to what? And how to... You need to reach out to, you would need to reach out to the publishing companies. Okay. That's okay. what you do. Yeah. Not necessarily the record label, but okay. the publishing, publishing companies, companies are the ones that are in charge of that in general. And it matters, too, how much of the song you have in there, right? Like the the length of, Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, like, um, so for example, you could even, I know a lot of uh, people will license off like the instrumental versions of this song that Mm -hmm. don't have the lyrics or even just like 10 second um, sound bites Mm, of it. So that's, that would be an even smaller fee, most likely. Awesome. Well, this is a lot of knowledge already, and it's super helpful. Thank you so much oh, for coming thanks in for today. Having me. Um, I want, yeah, I'm glad we got to have this little talk. Um, but I want our listeners to be able to find you to find your work. Um, what's the best place to find you? I would just go on Spotify. Just look up Jake Justice on Spotify. I actually just released a song last Friday called yeah. Gladiators. Awesome. It is and super good. What's interesting? Well, and this all kind of ties together. So the music that I make now. Uh, it definitely has some orchestral cinematic elements to mm-hmm. it, even though it's a hip hop song. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, it. so if you take a listen, it's called Gladiators, uh, and look it up, Jake Justice on Spotify. Uh, you'll you'll definitely hear the cinematic elements to it. Perfect, perfect tie-in. Love it. <laughs> well, thank you, listeners. Thank Thanks you for so having much, me. Yes. This is so fun. And we'll see you next time. Thanks for listening to FemRegard Podcast. If you like what you hear, tune in next time for more tips on the filmmaking business and insightful conversations with industry professionals over tea. We can only grow with your support, so please subscribe, share, rate, and give us a five-star review on Apple Podcast. If you leave us a great comment, we might give you a shout-out on the show. For more on us, check us out at FemRegard.com. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.